Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Let the whole earth stand in awe of him. Hello and welcome to the Anglo-Catholic Podcast for the 25th day of May 2006. I'm your reader, John J. O'Sullivan. Today is Wednesday in the sixth week in Easter. Today, the Church celebrates the solemnity of St. Aldhelm, Bishop and Confessor. The Anglican Church in particular celebrates the solemnity of St. Jadson Kemper, first missionary bishop in the United States and founder of Neshota House Theological Seminary. Let's begin today's podcast with a reading from the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. At that time, Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, and so on, and that which followeth. A homily by St. Augustine the Bishop. Our Lord, the only begotten and co-eternal Son of the Father, could have prayed silently, if need were, in the form of a servant, and after the fashion of a servant, but he willed to shew himself as thus praying to the Father that we might remember him as our teacher. Thus he made known unto us the prayer which he made for us. For he was so great a master that not only his discourse to them, but his prayer to the Father for them is an edification for his disciples. And if it was so for them who were there to hear, truly it is for us also, for whose instruction it hath been written down. Wherefore, by these words, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son. He sheweth that every occasion, whereon he hath done anything, or alloweth anything to be done, and the season wherein he did it, or allowed it, and even the time itself, is alike ordained of him, who is himself not subject to time. Yea, all things which were then to come, or are yet to come now, have the reason why they should be in the wisdom of God, which is itself independent of all time. The hour is come. We must not believe that the hour was brought on by the march of destiny, but was by the ordination of God. No stars decreed irresistibly that the time was come for Christ to suffer, for God forbid that the revelations of his planets should force death on him who made them. Some think that the glorification of the Son by the Father was this, that he spared him not, but delivered him up for us all. But if we say that he was glorified by suffering, how much more shall we say that he was glorified by rising again? While he suffered, his humbleness was the more manifested than his glory, as saith the Apostle, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death of the cross. Then he addeth concerning glorification, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth 
and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the glorification of our Lord Jesus Christ, that glorification whose first rays began to dawn on the resurrection morning. Here I end at the lesson. Concerning the life of St. Altham from the Anglican Breviary. From the account of St. Altham's life by William of Malmesbury. Altham, who was a Saxon of royal blood, took the habit of a monk in the monastery of Malmesbury, but he resorted again and again to Canterbury to sit at the feet of the abbot Hadrian, and so advanced under his instruction that not only himself became famous as a teacher, but was also the first Englishman who ventured on publishing books. According to the testimony of Bede, he was a man of wide and varied learning, a brilliant speaker, and wonderfully well read both ecclesiastical and worldly writers. He read often and prayed constantly, so that to use his own expression, whilst he read, he seemed to hear God speaking to him, and whilst he prayed, himself did speak to God there present. He was indifferent to hunger and careless about money. Further, he as far as possible remained inside his monastery, where he proclaimed an unceasing war against idleness and desire. However, when a church synod had discussed the corrupt doctrines of the British Christians and had come to the unanimous conclusion that it was better to lead the schismatics by reason than to drive them by force, all of them took upon himself the task of confuting their errors. This he did by writing a book, which was the means of leading back many of the wanderers into the bosom of the universal church. After the death of St. Hedda, bishop among the West Saxons, Alden was induced against his own wishes to accept the see of Sherbon. When he entered on the sphere of duty, he already felt that the end of his life was near, and to make the best of what time remained, he preached day and night, visited about his diocese, and practiced fasting and the like, as much as in the prime of his life. He died four years after his consecration as bishop, in the year of our Lord's Incarnation, 709, and was buried in the church of St. Michael the Archangel at Melmsbury. Here endeth the lesson. Concerning the life of St. Jackson Kemper, from the book Lesser Feasts and Fasts. When the General Convention of 1835 made all the members of the Episcopal Church members also the Domestic and Foreign Missionary Society, it provided at the same time for missionary bishops to serve in the wilderness and in foreign countries. Jackson Kemper was the first such bishop. Although he was assigned to Missouri and Indiana, he laid foundations also in Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Kansas, and made extensive missionary tours in the South and Southwest. Kemper was born in Pleasant Valley, New York, on December 24, 1789. He graduated from Columbia College in 1809, and ordained deacon in 1811, and priest in 1814. He served Bishop White as assistant at Christ Church, Philadelphia, and his urging Bishop White made his first and only visitation in western Pennsylvania. In 1835, Kemper was ordained bishop, and immediately set out on his travels. Because Episcopal clergymen, mostly from well-to-do eastern homes, found it hard to adjust to the harsh life of the frontier, scorching heat, drenching rains, and winter blizzards, 
Kemper established Kemper College in St. Louis, Missouri, the first of many similar attempts to train clergymen, and in more recent times laypersons as well, for specialized tasks in the church. The college failed in 1845 from the usual malady of such projects in the church, inadequate funding. Neshota House in Wisconsin, which he founded in 1842 with the help of James Lloyd Breck and his companions, was more successful. So was Racine College, founded in 1852. Both these institutions reflected Kemper's devotion to beauty and ritual and worship. Kemper pleaded for more attention to the Indians and encouraged the translation of services into na native languages. He described the service among Oneida Indians, which was marked by courtesy, reverence, worship, and obedience to that great spirit in whose hands are the issues of life. From 1859 until his death, Kemper was diocesan bishop of Wisconsin. He is more justly honored by his unofficial title, the Bishop of the Whole Northwest. Here ended the lesson. Let us pray. O God, who as on this day didst exalt thy blessed bishop, St. Alden, to everlasting felicity, we pray thee that by his merits and intercession thy mercy may bring us unto that place whither he is gone before. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Lord God, in whose providence Jackson Kemper was chosen first missionary bishop in this land, that by his arduous labor and travel congregations might be established and scattered settlements of the West, grant that the Church may always be faithful to its mission and have the vision, courage, and perseverance to make known to all people the good news of Jesus Christ, who with thee and the Holy Spirit liveth and reigneth, one God, for ever and ever. Amen. Let us also this day pray for our men who are training to be priests in Ashoda House and who are graduating today, that their ministries may be God-inspired, God-centered, and God-breathed, that ultimately they become priests in the model of our great high priest and intercessor, Jesus Christ. And with that, may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost bless us and keep us now and forever and unto ages of ages. Amen. The Anglo-Catholic Podcast is sponsored by the Church of St. Anthony of Padua in Hackensack, New Jersey. Whether you live, work, or are visiting the greater North Jersey, New York metro area, come and worship with us. On Sundays, a low Mass in Spanish is at 8 a.m. and the High Mass in English at 10 a.m. For directions, service times, or for more information, call Father Brian Laffler at 201-489-4728 or check out our website at www.stanthonyhackensack and Hackensack is spelled H-A-C-K-E-N-S-A-C-K dot org. The Church of St. Anthony of Padua is affiliated with Ford and Faith North America and the American Anglican Council.